Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. You know, when your weekly tee box dysfunction comes to you each and every week, you'd think, you know, how can they get more dysfunctional than member guest week or just anything in general? But alongside the Caddy, Michael Collins, I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy of the podcast. It's funny because I went on social media this week, Caddy, which is probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> Why would you do that? And everyone talking about how our boy Herman, Jim Herman, who wins the tournament, is now in the same company as players like Tony Finau. And that's the world of golf in a nutshell. A dude that comes from nowhere to win a tournament is now in the same class, if not a higher class, than some people consider a world-class player in Tony Finau. And to me, that's golf dysfunction in one tournament. I Yeah, but it's not one tournament. That's not what that was about. This dude, three chances that he's had to win, three times he's converted. He's a three-time right. PGA Tour winner. I know. Like, Think Tony Finau that. can't say that. I know. Which is but- crazy. And, you know, you... I love Tony Fiena to death, but, you know, he won – Jim Herman won Barbersaw. Okay, cool, which is similar to Puerto Rico. Right. You know, which – okay. But now you go, well, wait a minute. Greensboro, that field was pretty solid, you know, pretty solid with a bunch of dudes that you go, yeah, yeah. I mean, number one, let, let me get this out of the way right now. Yeah, I got to give you – I'll give you credits on all three of your four picks. So you oh, almost we'll get there. <laughs> no, I want to get that out the way now. <laughs> we'll get to my brilliance. We can talk about my genius. All oh, take it easy with the genius, bro. Cause all four of my guys made the cut. And so like, yeah, you had the top four, three, three of your guys were inside the top 10, which was nice. So, you know, that's all right. Hey, top 10, top five. Okay, whatever. Yeah, schematics. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, oh, well done on that pick. But it's not schematics. This, whatever, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Program. <laughs> um, compass. Uh, yeah, compass. <laughs> uh, what I don't understand with Jim Herman is how fleeting it is. He is very similar in... He reminds me of like Matt Every. Like Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Like you don't ever hear from this is that is the epitome of what caddies call a lottery ticket. Like somebody like Matt Every, Jim Herman, and who's my lefty from Lake City? Um oh. is he, what about Tommy Two Gloves Ganey before the whole incident? Yeah, but look at how he's ever it seems like he's playing better after the incident. See, here here's my thing with Herman. I always I hate prefacing things I'm about to say because they sound mean. <laughs> no disrespect, but <laughs> here comes the Italian mafia. No dis no disrespect, but that's why I put that horse head in your bed. <laughs> I is Jim Herman good for golf? Yeah. I think so. I do because, listen, here's – and this is why. I'm because willing to be Ted Potter Jr. That's the other one I'm trying to think of like crazy. Ted Potter Jr. All right. He's another one. Like, this dude will miss every single cut and win and then miss every single cut and win. Um, Here's why Jim Herman and guys like Matt Every and Ted Potter Jr. The reason that they're good for golf is because – Cinderella still needs a chance to dance. I agree. That's every why now I and then. Every now and then. Now, don't get me wrong. If there was a different Cinderella every single week and there wasn't the dominant force of guys that are out there, then, yeah, it wouldn't be good for golf. But because we have Brooks Kepka, because we have Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas and like you down the list, just go down the top list right there, and it's like okay, we got these dominating dudes, right? Then when Cinderella like Jim Herman happens, you're like, oh snap! Like anytime this guy gets near the lead, how's why is how come he's not spitting a bit? Right. I don't understand. Where a guy like Tony Finau, he gets up near the top of the lead and spits the bit, or 
you you're like I don't or Dustin Johnson. Like this dude is now zero for four when he's so, got the lead going into a Sunday at a major. You're a hundred percent right in that if you have an opportunity to close the door, close the door. Yeah. yeah. And some of the quote unquote Ameriquote names have not been able to do that, and Jim Herman has. Right. But not a name. Here's <laughs> here's where I differentiate between the two. Okay. If I'm a casual golf fan, not a golf nerd like you and I. Okay. Casual golf fan, and I see that Jim Herman is flirting around the leaderboard. I'm not turning to watch Jim Herman close the show. But would you turn to watch Billy Horschel? No. See? And I love Billy Ho. But Billy right. Ho, he's won a FedEx Cup. I know. I mean, I mean he, yeah, that's, that is true. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how many how many guys are going to make you turn? How many, well, how, how many guys who, are going to make you we turn? Know who the the need, we know who the needle is. There's, there's right. one needle. Right. That ain't, well, that's, it's, that's but, but, not even But if it's, if, it's, if it's some of the group that you listed before, I don't know. I. But, like, right now, let's say Colin Morikawa is, is getting after it on a Sunday. I'm turning. Okay, yeah, me too. Like, I'll do that. But now, how about Webb Simpson? Webb Simpson's going into this FedEx Cup playoffs ranked number three. But yet, if he was on top of the leaderboard, are you like, yo, let me switch off of this NBA game real quick? Or yeah, let I me would. switch off of it. What? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I like picking Webb Simpson in our picks that I keep on. I know. Webb Simpson for you is Patrick Reed for me. Which, by the way, Webb and, and Patrick are off the table for each of us this week. So we could do a little golf swap if you want, you know? No, they're not. Yeah, I can't pick Webb this week. Yes, you can. I mean, you can't. You can't repeat. What don't you understand? I already we decided this last week. If you want to repeat, pick a dude. It's either well. No, be, we can't. Okay, so no repeats. Okay. No, it's not a it's not a fantasy keeper league. Okay, that's cool. All right, so Webb and all right, so them dudes is off the table. Well, you can pick Webb, and I could pick Patrick. That's true. Are you going to though? Probably not. No, no. I know. See, <laughs> yeah. Again, what what don't you understand about my my <laughs> brilliance of, of the picking? <laughs> you mean your luck? Hey, you know what? <laughs> Knowledge ain't luck, bruh. Um, <laughs> so can you can you help out the, the patron on this week's podcast? Can you explain? Oh, and I have a bone to pick with you. We'll get to that in a minute. And we got to talk about that caddy thing at the U.S. Amateur. Oh, you know what? Let's start there. Okay. Because I'm glad <laughs> right, you brought that up. That seems that seemed like it was a month ago, but and and it wasn't. It was just it was, it was three recent. days ago. Yeah, yeah. How can and you let people, a, people how can you lost let a helicopter catch? Well, first of all, what's he, it's a local caddy. What's he doing? Well, that's the thing. When it's an amateur, so. They're playing at Bandon Dunes. Bandon Dunes has regular caddies that are that are there on staff, and they're they're only getting paid by Bandon Dunes. And it's an amateur. You can't win money, which means you can't like the caddy's not going to make a big paycheck. So apparently, from what I have gathered, this guy's been caddying for less than a year. Uh-huh. He's he's pretty much a rookie, and he's caddying at a resort. Bandon Dunes is a golf resort. That's right. So when he's caddying for a, a foursome or a twosome or four caddy and whatnot, and they jump in, man, what he's he he probably had done that hundreds of times with resort guests, and had no clue that jumping in a bunker and rubbing your finger around is is completely illegal. And how about the, the fact that it happened? Two ends well, up with the whole thing. That's the that's the. That's the kick in the gut for the for the player who ended up losing, and the fact that it was on the 18th hole, which then caused the loss. It was loss of hole on the last hole, and it was it was just it was it was one of those things. It is the perfect storm for the worst case scenario possible, and then the poor guy. Well, here's the thing: as a, as a former caddy. Like, of course, I made fun of it online because I'm a caddy. Like, this is what you do. If this dude now has a nickname that called his his name from now on is going to be Sandcastles. Right. But Just I, like. 
but right. I, I, you make a good point. Go back to that for a second. It, that he's a resort caddy. Right. So he's probably done this for the people that pay a lot of money to go right. play Band and Dunes. Right. I'm, so you're, you're giving him a pass. No, I'm not giving him a pass. Don't get me wrong. Because I'm sure I am, I am without question certain and sure that there were probably other caddies throughout the week who made similar mistakes that no one caught. That no one even saw or thought about and was just like, wait, that dude did what? You know, it just happened that this dude did it in the biggest moment of a match on the 18th hole. There were cameras everywhere and then he tried to lie about it. I'm, I'm definitely... I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm saying that I understand. I understand in that moment he just he went back to what he normally does, like that's what's gonna what's gonna happen. Look, Steve Williams saved me two strokes at a U.S. Open at Shinnecock. Which right, I've told that story before. Right. The only reason I didn't get a two-stroke penalty here was because Stevie wouldn't let go of the rake, and he had no reason to let me. But this kid, when he jumped in the bunker, it happened so fast. Even the player didn't see it. Yeah, he goes in there. He wanted to test the sand to see what kind of lot to see what kind of surface his player was going to be playing out of. Which is here's as a professional caddy, you go. Why would you? What are you going to tell your player that's going to help? There's nothing that you're going to. Yo, the sand is packed down. Like the right. player when he gets in and digs his feet in, kind of going to figure that out. Like, that's why when you see players get in a bunker, they move their feet around. Okay, so I'm glad that you... sets a base and also tells them, huh, this sand is a little moist. <laughs> oh, people love that word. Moist. I know. That's why I used it. So, yes. And then I had a couple of people reaching out like, why is that a big deal? Who cares if he picked up the sand? It like, is. It, that's You can't. because in Because what he could have done is let's say he did that and the 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 sand trap liner was right under there then he could have said to his player hey heads up man the set the liner's right here you're on top of the liner and that would have changed the shot but that's not allowed you're not allowed to test the surface of a bunker which is in effect there as a as a penalizing type of area not a hazard but it's to be treated like you're not supposed to hit it there. So you don't get the benefit of, let me check this out and feel around. It's like grounding your club in a hazard. The reason that you're not allowed to do that is because you're not supposed to hit it there. So it's supposed to be a penalty, which means there's supposed to be a lot of uncertainty in that shot. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of reasons why that doing something like that is illegal. That being said, Making fun of a caddy for making a mistake like that is the nature of caddying. Like most caddies get their nicknames from mistakes they've made. Pele <laughs> got his nickname because he kicked the ball in the fairway, right? Due North got his nickname because he pulled a compass out when his player asked what the compass. wind is doing. It's a compass. That's what I said. He pulled a compass out. Oh, when. Okay. Which now, ironically, you know enough, what your nickname is your nickname is going to be called Grammar. Cool, man. Well, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you Spell City. <laughs> <laughs> you are now Phonics. You know how many nicknames I got, man. With yeah, call me Phonics. I don't care, whatever. But that's what I'm saying. So people lost their minds on you, y'all. Poor guy. How you gonna attack him? Like that's it was not even an attack. It was fun. That this dude's nickname is now going to be Sandcastles. But, and, and I did later on go back on and say, hey, look, make sure, Bandit Dunes, that this guy doesn't lose his job over something like this. Like, you shouldn't lose your job. Dude, because they as, could a, as a rookie sell caddy, golf packages to golf with this dude. That's, that's what I'm saying. I told him straight up, I've never been to Bandit Dunes, but when I go, like, I want him to caddy for me. And I was being serious. I really do want him to caddy for me. Tell you what, we're willing to do a podcast from Bandit Dunes on this whole thing. Hell yeah. So anyone just to go up there. Dunes, yeah, just, you know, hook, hit us up. Yeah. Hook yeah, us that, up, too. That's fine. That was, uh, <laughs> you said it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, that was – look, the U.S. Amateur is one of the great golf events to watch, but it'd be 
became a national golf story, perhaps more than your local insurance agent, Jim Herman, winning uh, the tournament. <laughs> and right. the fact that the guy who won, the, the guy who lost was so humble in losing and such a, he took it so well, made him, it was, it was great for golf. It was great for golf that a guy like that, the way that he lost was so humble and that the guy he lost to ended up winning the whole thing because from now there's just always going to be that question, what if? What if? And so, you know, as I feel bad for the caddy because that's one of those things that you're, ne- you're always going to live with that, you know? And hopefully after a few years, you're able, or you know, after a year, you're able to at least laugh about it and look back and be like, you're not going to believe, man. Yo, Sandcastle, like five years from now. Yeah, hey, Sandcastle. Hey, how do you get come, the nickname Sandcastles? Like that's, one. Yeah, you know what a f- great story that's going to be to tell? You know, And there's plenty of stories on the PGA Tour, like I said, of guys who have messed up and earned nicknames that way. So, Can you do me a favor and do the, do the patrons a favor? I can. What? When are the FedEx play? Like, help us out here. When do those start? Yeah, I mean, right now. Like, Right Tigers now, in Boston. Yeah, that this is Boston. the first one. This year, there's only three. Well, from now on, from now on, there's only three. Okay. So the the Northern Trust is moves around. Yep. Last year, it was at Liberty National. Patrick yep. Reed is defending champ. This year, the first FedEx Cup event is in Boston at TBC Boston. So we're starting be, this it week. It used to be Deutsche Bank, right? Top one twenty five, and everyone is in. Everybody's in the field. I think the crazy thing now. Like Jim Herman was, I don't. He was a hundred and ninety eighth or something. He had no chance of making the FedEx Cup. He wins and now he's in. But Shane Lowry, outside the FedEx Cup, when I saw him at the airport, he was going to be one of my sleeper picks as well. He played his way into it. Sergio Garcia is not in the FedEx Cup. That's not surprising. Well, he just because he only has twelve, he only had like twelve starts and didn't have. He, well, he's just not been playing well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he hasn't had a lot of starts. Now, the thing for a guy like Tiger Woods is he going to try check out O'Shea? I know you just yeah, say O'Shea's Tiger Woods. Up, he knows yeah. what's up. Yeah, see Tiger Woods, baby. Yeah, um, he, he knows. He knows what's up. That's one for Tiger. Here's the question mark. Does anyone believe that Tiger's going to be his back is going to be able to do three in a row? We'll find out. Well, if he tries to do that, then what he's going to have to do is play four out of five weeks. Right. That's not okay. So here's the deal with Tiger. I believe that Tiger, if he does not play himself into the Tour Championship this week, will shut it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Shuts it down into the U.S. Open. That's what I said. Like, because he can't. He's not going to go play. He's not going to play Boston. Then next week in Chicago, and the following week Tour Championship. Right. I've said it a million times on this podcast. He's going to do what he can to get the swings in that he needs. If he stays relevant in the FedEx Cup, he'll stay around. But if not, go forward to the majors. So quickly, just as we embark on this, uh, because it's a weird COVID nineteen pandemic version of the FedEx Cup playoffs. What will happen is this. Instead of the usual quadrupling of points versus what's available during the regular season, the points were tripled. So, for example, the winner of the first two events of the playoffs receives 1,500 FedEx Cup points instead of 2,000. And then it offsets the elimination of the 13 tournaments, which is what we had this year, including the players, the three majors, and the WGC Dell Technologies. So, at the conclusion of the Northern Trust, the top 70 in FedEx Cup points will advance to the BMW Championship. Now that the points up for grabs shaved by a quarter, it could be more challenging to survive. This is according to the PGA Tour, what they're doing for the changes of it. So there are modifications to it, and it's a little bit confusing because we still have major championships to play. And I think that's probably golf's biggest hurdle caddy is typically this is the end of the season – before the wraparound starts as we embark towards football. But now they're mm. kind of being wedged in there, and it's a little bit anticlimactic, if you ask me. I, I just – yes, I agree with that because of how strange this season is. And the other thing, too, is 
the guys who started the year inside the top 125 but didn't make the playoffs, they're still good to go for next year. Right. Because of the way that the season has played out, what the tour has decided to do is make sure that everybody keeps their job moving forward. So the playoffs this season is just like, yeah, we'll do three quick things to get some cash real quick. Right. And, you know, what are the majors count tour? Nah, nah, not not really. Now not on really. that's open. Now on <laughs> Wingfoot. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Wingfoot. And what are you getting ready for? Masters. Yeah. And, and how fine. about but as soon as we finish recording the podcast last week, the Masters comes out and says no fans. Right after I said I was finally pulled to your side of I don't I don't think we should do this without fans. The Masters must have listened to the podcast and been like, we don't care what you think. Now we're going to do the opposite of whatever you say. Look, so. I'm not here saying that aesthetically it's not going to be amazing to see Augusta National in that way. Awesome. But there is nothing like roars at Augusta National. You, you know my thoughts on this. I saw that and I was like, how about those people, by the way, who when it got postponed in April were like, oh, dude, by November we're good. We're good. Badges <laughs> are good. Not we'll a problem. There. We'll be eating yeah. pimento cheese sandwiches tomorrow. Nothing. Out. What a world. All right. Let's get to our picks. And then you've got a special guest joining you today. Yeah. I'm hopping off. Uh, because you got college football emergency things to got, do. I got stuff. Um, <laughs> so you'll set up the guest when he, when he comes on. Yeah. Um, it's going to be uh, Major Dan Rooney from Folds of Honor uh, talking about Patriot Golf, which is so good. cool. But I need to talk to him about flying in some fighter jets because I got to do that once. And so, but this dude flew F-16s. That's way more impressive than anything you and I have ever done in our life. All right. Hold on. I got to fly in. the. I got to fly. No, he actually flies them. Yeah, I flew one. Not an F-16. No, he lands them and takes them off. Okay, I didn't do that. Thank you. I'm like, what the (laughs) hell are you talking? You rode as a passenger. No, this I was dude. flying. I had a joystick, man. I was flying it. Yeah, that's like the kid joystick. They're like, hey, oh no, no, in there. And no, no, no. Turns no, because I moved. I uh, moved it a little bit, so and the plane moved, and then it freaked me out. Dude, no chance. I'm letting you touch any joystick <laughs> going at that speed. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So last week's picks more to more of the same. Me dominating. Um, oh, stop it! I had three dudes in the top three. Webb Simpson, Billy Horschel, Kevin Kisner. My sleeper chess review missed the cut. So I won 56 to 49. Caddy had a nice week again out of Patrick Reed. Sergio was garbage. Harold Varner III had the overnight lead after Thursday. And Harris English, your sleeper, acquitted himself quite well, 12 under. Mm. With the tally for the week, 56 to 49 under. I win. I'm up 5 4, and I'm up 172 to 137 in our picks for the season. So the T box is mine. And I've never been more confident about picking first and a winner that's going to win this week. With the first overall pick, I'm taking Jason Day. And he's going to. Sweet. Okay, good. I will take Bryson DeChambeau. I'm going to eliminate him from being allowed to be picked. Why? He gets picked every week. So? All right. With my next pick, Daniel Berger. Oh. And your boy will take. Rory McIlroy. With my third and final pick, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Justin Thomas. No. What? <laughs> oh, God. With my third pick, I will take Colin Morikawa. I like it. All right, so to recap, before we get to our sleepers, I've got Jason Day, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas. Caddy has Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa. My sleeper, Alex Noren. Wow, nice sleeper pick. And for my sleeper pick, I will take... Let me see where he is because I'm trying to figure out what he count as a sleeper pick. I'll tell you. Being Chris Kirk. Yeah, so yeah, that's probably the definition of a sleeper. Hold on a second, though. I'm, I can't find him here. Yeah, pick someone who's not in the field. That'll be good. 
Nah. Oh, how about I got okay? Scratch Chris Kirk. I like this pick a little bit better. Okay. Because I believe he is trending. Shane Lowry. Okay. Now we're. I mean, I guess who maybe played, who just played his way into no, but he was outside of outside of the top one twenty five. Had to have a great week last week. No, it's all awesome. the major champion is a sleeper. That's good. Well done. Shut up. Uh, how about number one twenty two on the FedEx Cup? That is <laughs> so. There's that. All right. So the picks: Jason Day, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas, sleeper Alex Noren, Team Maddie, Team Caddy, Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, and Shane Lowry, the sleeper. I've got to bounce off. I will tell you, I've got plenty of time to have my beef with you because I can't wait to hear even what what's the beef. Oh, you'll you'll hear it. Okay. And don't forget, if you need a local plumber, be sure to call Jim Herman. He's <laughs> here for you to fix all of your plumbing needs. Hey, uh, next week, if if my co-host is Randy Scott, uh, mate, you need to check your Twitter there, Maddie. Cause... I've seen it about how he's pushing me into a bear. He's going to push you into a wild animal. Let me see. Uh, I saw it. Uh, put... Servicer might just push your slower friends down in attempts to save yourself in the event of an attack with bears. And, and Randy threw me in there. <laughs> Randy, Randy I've, I've forgotten more golf than Randy will ever know. <laughs> Randy just needs something to do. All right. Pushing I'll, people into bears, that'd be one thing. I'll tease you with the pet peeve of this. Or no, not my pet peeve, my beef with you. And there are a lot of people locally that have beef with you in Connecticut. Okay, now that I got my gahin. No, because your name showed up on something soon. My you name see, showed up see, on Ka- something. Caddy just gave me the dog head tilt. Like, I if know. I asked the dog if he wanted a T-R-E-A-T, and he, like, tilted his head. My name showed up on something soon. And people came to me, and they're like, did you know about this? And I was like, no. Did I know about Do I know about it? Uh, I don't. You may not. Now that I'm throwing this at you, apparently, because I'm like, that's the, that's the tease of the I week. Can't wait. To, <laughs> is hold on. Is Tiger it, back? In, what's is that? it good for me? Man, hell, I don't know what's good and what's not good for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> does it, what does it mean? I'm working, or is, am I doing something? I I don't know what this entails. I am freaking out now, man. And I love it. And you got beef with you got beef with something I don't even know about. This is awesome. Gotta wait a week. This is the best seed plant I've ever done. All right, have a good interview, and I and I'll talk to you uh, here a little bit, Caddy. Julio, man, talk to you next week. (laughs) Major Dan Rooney coming up next. It is my distinct pleasure to bring in someone who I can call a friend, but also. Somebody who I am so jealous of because of what his job was, Major Dan Rooney, who is the founder and president of Folds of Honor Foundation. Um, first off, Major Dan Rooney, uh, how are you doing? It's strange times for everyone. How are you doing? Yeah, we're so we are hanging in there, and all during these strange times, actually got promoted. So I'm Lieutenant Colonel Dan now. So that was one good thing that happened during COVID. <laughs> but, Lieutenant yeah. Colonel Dan, that's no, awesome. Well, congratulations, fighter Thank you, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're hanging in there. I'm a big believer. God's got a plan, and uh, you know, thankfully, um, you know, my family and friends, I haven't experienced a you know, any serious impacts from, from COVID in, in my circle, but certainly prayers for all of those who, who has, but, uh, it's interesting in life. Sometimes things have to fall apart in order to come together. My, my sense is that God has a, a bigger plan to refocus on, on the things that matter most and, uh, our families and taking care of each other. And, uh, so I'm always trying to find the, the bright light in, uh, in sometimes these dark challenging moments. How are you? Uh, same thing, man. I'm, you know me, man. I'm the guy. I love looking for the silver lining. I love looking for the light at the tunnel. And I'm, I'm the one who is always like, what from anything bad will help people 
get closer together and closer to each other. You know, I rule number one, love one another. So like, how can we do that better? How can we as a species just do that better, man? But I'm, you know, I'm faulted. I'm fault. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the fact that you flew F-16s. Like that is one of the coolest. Let me tell you something. There are things that people don't know until they actually do something. One, people still argue that golfers aren't athletes until you yeah. ask other athletes. See, even you laugh. There are people until you ask athletes in other sports. If you ask a football player who plays golf and has played in the Super Bowl or an MLB player who's played in the World Series or hockey players, you name it. You name the sport and you ask those elite athletes if golf is a sport and they'll all tell you yes and golfers are athletes. One thing that I had no clue about is that when it comes down to it, the greatest athletes that we have are fighter pilots. And people who right now are like, what? Come on, man. No, that's that's not true. Listen, I got to fly in a fight in a training. One of the I oh, it was in San Antonio. You and it was a T-38. That's exact. Yes. The T-38, the yeah. which in the original Top Gun, the T-38 played played the MiG, correct? Correct. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. And so I went in the T-38 and was and I asked before we got started, hey, what's this going to be like? And the dude goes, it's going to be like the hardest workout you've ever done. And you're probably not going to feel right for a day. And he was beyond true. And the fact that you guys do that as training five to six times is like, forget it. That's not, people don't understand the workout that you have to have and then mentally. So let's start with this. How did you get into flying fighter jets? Uh, so it's, it's, it's good. Everything great in my life is directly connected to the game of golf. Like every moment, uh, that's changed my path. And I was 12 and I was playing in a little golf tournament, um, at the Stillwater country club in Oklahoma, where I grew up and I met a fighter pilot. His name was Steve, Steve Portwright. And he was the coolest dude I'd ever met. And I was like, you can't be this cool and old. And he said, yes, you can. <laughs> and, uh, he was my first man crush. And I'm like, I knew it. it was like, oh man, I'm going to be a fighter pilot. I want to grow up and be like Steve Courtright. And he's still one of my best friends. And, uh, so that's when the seed was planted, but obviously I was 12. So I couldn't go fly fighter jets at that time. And, uh, went off and played golf at the university of Kansas and then, uh, left there. <clears throat> joined the air force, went to officer training and, uh, and off to flight school. And just as a, as a, as a stat, it's really fascinating. And, uh, so you go through a thing called pilot training, undergraduate pilot training, UPT. It takes two and a half, the whole program takes two and a half years. Um, government spends $8 million per pilot training us. What? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Eight million per pilot, and and from the start of the program to the finish, only four point eight percent of the people will make it through the program to become a fighter pilot. So it is by far. And I'm not I'm not saying I could be a Navy SEAL. Uh, got a lot of Navy SEAL buddies, but it is by far the most expensive, highest attrition rate of any military training there is. Why? What do you think there. the main reason is that so many people don't make it? Um, I mean, you, you got a brief glimpse of it when you went up in a T-38, but it's a, you know, the F-16 goes two and a half times the speed of sound. It pulls nine Gs. You're running the most sophisticated, you know, computing device in the world, dropping bombs, you know, shooting missiles, air refueling. I mean, it is just a carnival ride that combines <laughs> not only physical, 
aptitude, but the mental and emotional aptitude to be able to operate at, you know, those speeds under insane amounts of pressure, specifically mm. in combat, um, that you just, um, you got it or you don't. I'd love to say, hey, you know, I've worked really hard, which I did, but it is, um, uh, you know, something I give glory to God for that I've had the opportunity to be flying fighters for 21 years and still doing that down at Eglin Air Force Base in Destin, Florida in the reserves now. So I'm just down there a week a month doing it. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, it's an incredible program. And it's funny, you know, how God brings, puts things together in your life and sends you on trajectories that you don't ever expect. But if it wasn't for golf and being a fighter pilot, you know, I never would have kind of, I guess, had the platform to start Folds of Honor. And what made you what made you decide to start that? Because obviously golf for you started first, which then through golf, meeting a fighter pilot, becoming a fighter pilot. But then you went and played golf in college. And now you finish college, you go through fighter pilot training, become a fighter pilot. But golf is kind of staying in your life. And so how does Folds of Honor come about? Um, so my dream was to be a golf pro and a fighter pilot. Obviously, you know, didn't make it on tour, couldn't make it on tour based on being a fighter pilot. So the next best thing was to be a class A PGA member. So the guys that work at the golf courses, um, and in my case, you know, build them and, uh, I just love the game. Um, but I got back from my second tour of duty in Iraq. And at this point I'm living my dream job description, pretty average guy, honestly, you know, from, the way I was living, right? I'm a fighter pilot. I'm a go. Oh, you know, Hold on. I'm let me just, much- oh, I got to stop you right there. There's no such thing as the F-16 fighter pilot that did two tours in Iraq. I'm just the average guy. No, no. Sorry, bro. <laughs> you, no, don't so say say my, <laughs> you don't get to say that. You don't get to say that. I would say I agree on the maybe the accomplishment side, but I was living a very selfish life. I'll put it that. Unlike okay. the godly average um, you know, flying fast jets and playing golf and drinking too much whiskey and, you know, part-time dad. And, uh, it was, uh, it was an intervention in my life. I really believe, you know, mm. personally, and, you know, we've helped a lot of people as a result. Um, but I, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't the best person in myself. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, and I ended up, I came back from my second tour of, uh, of three trips to, to Iraq. And I was on a commercial airline flight with twin brothers identical twin brothers, Corporal Brad Buckland, uh, brought his twin brother, Corporal Brock Buckland home from Iraq who had been killed. And, uh, that night I, you know, I watched his whole family on the tarmac including his four-year-old son. And, uh, despite the captain's request, half the people got up and left the airplane. Um, it was like one o'clock in the morning and I really felt the calling from God. He picks the least among us, uh, for sure. And I, you know, qualify there, but I felt a calling from God to do something, uh, for this little four-year-old boy that had lost his dad and in, in combat. And, uh, for me, I'm a big believer that, you know, education is the bridge to opportunity and equality in this True. country. Yep. And, um, so our mission, you know, started very small, but has never wavered. I've started folds of honor literally above my garage in, uh, in Oklahoma. And, um, the primary vision, um, which I mentioned we haven't ever strayed from, is to honor the sacrifice of our men and women in the military who've been killed or disabled by providing educations for their families. And, uh, you know, again, turn to the game of golf. And uh, we started an event called Patriot Golf Day. It's me above my garage and the PGA of America agrees to uh, to get behind this concept of Patriot Golf Day, which we'll talk about. But it's, you know, on yeah. Labor Day weekend, we've got you know, four or 5,000 golf courses that sign up to host uh, Patriot Golf Day. And that simply is collect donations for us. And we ask people to donate at least an extra dollar when they go tee it up. And we've raised just through Patriot Golf Day about $50 million. And we give golfers the opportunity to play their most heroic, meaningful round of the year and pay those donations forward to military families who desperately need their help. From Patriots Day Golf, give me the best story from what you've started at Foles of Honor. What's the one story that you've heard from a family or a kid that's meant the most to you? So that as it regards to 
golf, it's easy. Um, and we've got, you know, almost 30,000 recipients now. So there are some amazing stories out there. There were two young boys that reached out to me, Matt and Daniel cash. And, um, they hand wrote a letter and they, uh, went on to describe their, their dad, um, Chris cash, who'd been killed in Iraq and that they had grown up playing golf together and that they had, um, saved scorecards like we all do, um, over the years and that in order to remember their dad, they would pull out the old scorecards and they would replay the rounds of golf, um, that they played with their dad before he was killed in Iraq. And I got this letter and, you know, I'm really proud to say that we sent both of those young men to college and they've gone off and, you know, are living successful lives. Um, but that was early on and in, in the start of folds of honor. And it just, uh, you know, it just, it just reminds us freedom is not free. Mm. Every day is a gift. And we live in a country that is, is not perfect. I, I think it's the best in the world. Um, but there's less than one half of 1% that wake up every day willing to die for it. And uh, there's, there ain't no other country in the world with uh with the military that we have here and it's about taking care of their families and always being reverent to the sacrifices that have been made and to think that all of those men and women volunteer as well that's one of the things that you said our country is definitely our country is not perfect but it's still the best it's it's i firmly believe exactly what you said we're 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 not perfect but i do think we are the best in the world and and that definitely shows and it is amazing what you're what you have been able to do and it, it's it's i don't know that there are the proper words of gratitude that can be used to to talk about patriot golf day and folds of honor but when you think of where patriots day where patriot golf day started and where it is now are you even you in awe of, of how great this has become. Yeah. I mean, and my, that's the human side of us, right? The, the lens that we limit all too often the art of the possible. Um, but when you look at, you know, God's power, um, and omnipotent and, and as good as it is, um, you know, that it's, it's his and, and folds of honor is an, you know, an awesome ministry and, you know, we're about God and country with, with no apology. And, you know, I'm, I'm the one that was saved during all this. And we've, you know, awarded, as I mentioned, almost 30,000 scholarships. So $150 million out the door to spouses and kids, um, who, you know, 4,000 families are in school, um, right now, courtesy of the, you know, the great donors that we have, but it's just, uh, you know, this beautiful irony. I, I think, that folds shares with everybody that's around it and donates to it, that when you reach out to help someone that you're actually the one being helped and we do it in a fun way too, right? Go play golf and help, <laughs> help somebody. I mean, right. how good is that? Go to right. Budweiser and help somebody <laughs> go to a NASCAR race and help somebody. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all bros, right? right. We don't like to have fun. And when you can combine having fun and doing good, it's this just magic elixir, you know, of, uh, and we've always, you know, stayed true to that because life is short, man, have fun. Um, I've lost too many friends in the fast jet business and in combat, um, and in, and in life. And, uh, so, and I promise you the you know, the men and women, there's a million plus that have sacrificed their lives for this country. They would want you to celebrate and have fun, um, and love America and, and give back to it. And, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of too, um, sitting on the phone with you is that 41% of the recipients at folds of honor are minorities. And, um, <clears throat> with all the racial unrest that's going on, um, uh, and things need to change in this country. I, I I'm a total believer in that, but I also am a believer that we're not going to change anything unless we fix the education system in this country. Because that's what gives people hope, gives them opportunity. And I'm so proud that, you know, heck, nearly half of our recipients are are minorities. And if you want to make a difference and you believe Black Lives Matter and um, we want to help these 
people that haven't gotten their fair shake, um, help them get an education. And we're standing by at Folds of Honor to deliver that. And that it comes back to that. Where do we start? Education, education, education. Because education means opportunity. And if everyone can get a great opportunity and education, then everyone has more opportunities at greatness in whatever that they want to do. So now some golfing fighter pilot stuff too because i gotta ask these questions yeah. too because as the golf caddy we guy, got a little heavy there i'm no, sorry man, I have a that's, to you know what heavy. though it's not heavy man it's not heavy when you talk about helping people do things and better their lives that's never for me i don't feel like that's heavy i feel like that's enlightening and it's like you want a reason to help here's a reason to help and here's an easy way to do it that includes golf so in golf for you what's the most challenging part of your game what's the hardest shot to hit and then flip that to i don't know if you can do it without getting technically in the weeds but what was the hardest pilot maneuver to get comfortable with in a fighter jet so those two things because you're both so where you at well yeah the hardest shot in golf everybody is you know the the 25, 30 yard bunker shot. So that's, you know, for me, I mean, that's kind of the standard answer. Um, I would say that, you know, the, the, the difference between I, my, my neighbor in Owasso, uh, he's back and forth in Nashville now, but, um, lives on about 5,000 acres, Garth Brooks, um, here in Oklahoma. And <laughs> yeah. he sang this song, thank God for unanswered prayers. And I would just say, if I was a better putter, I probably wouldn't have been a fighter pilot. I probably could have made it playing golf. Um, so thank God, you know, he didn't answer my prayers because I've, you know, I've been on different tour, right? But I think I've done a lot more good than I would have if I was out there on the PGA tour. Uh, so I'm a remarkably average putter. Um, but, uh, but I would say the common ground that's kind of cool between being a fighter pilot and the golf golf world is it's all about the target, right? Right. And as a golfer, I was, I mean, it was always find a way to get it in the hole, right? To get it to the target. Right. And as a, as a fighter pilot, the skills that I learned playing competitive golf really translated to, to combat. And, you know, when you're nervous out there and you got an eight footer and you got to make it to win the bet or do whatever, I mean, you get those nerves going, but you're able to settle your, your, your mind, um, in those high stress situations. So I feel like in some crazy way that playing competitive golf at a high level, and uh, played against Tiger for a couple years in college and U.S. amateurs and NCAA's and doing all this. That that mindset translated as a fighter pilot. Mm. And I would say that as the pressure as a fighter pilot in combat is much more intense, and I became much better at dealing with pressure. But that foundation I had as a golfer served me well. And there's no doubt. I mean, the hardest thing to do as a fighter pilot is is drop a bomb. Um, in close proximity to friendly forces on the ground. So we call it danger close. Mm. And if we're dropping a bomb um, within a basically 500 or so feet of a good guy on the ground, um, and they call those bombs in, there's a guy called a JTAC um, on the ground, and he's talking to my F-16, and he gives me clearance to drop on the bad guys, right? They're there, yeah. but... The good guys are so close that this young man has to give me his initials over the radio. When I sit there and I write him down, when he clears me to drop this bomb and knowing the finality of that moment, traveling at those speeds in the middle of the night over a rack and people's lives are dependent on you putting a bomb on time on target. Definitely the most challenging um, moments, uh, but also I would argue the most rewarding moments of my life as a fighter pilot when you're able to do your life and do your job and, and save lives on the ground. Man, I got butterflies just thinking about that. Is that is that when when you're in a fighter jet and in combat like that, do you feel butterflies similar to? the first tee jitters or having that putt to make a cut or win a tournament or like what, what, how yeah, would you compare those? Is it the it's same? The same emotion, right? It's the back nine at Augusta. I've never been there, you know, during the tournament, but it's that same emotion that you like, 
it's so charged, right? There's so much pressure, but you have to find a way to slow it down and perform. And, mm. uh, that's why, you know, my, my ability to deal with pressure is a fighter pilot grew so much. And there's so many techniques that, that we are taught, um, through our routines and our preparation that would become what we call learned effective, which is the goal. That's a, that's a psychology term, mm. but essentially you do it so many times and you sit there in your mind over and over and over again, doing it on the ground that your mind has, you know, a certain autopilot switch that you've learned this task so well that it becomes for me, pressure proof. Yeah. But does time slow down though too? Oh yeah. Oh does yeah. It? Yeah. Especially when you got a bomb in the air, you know, an average <laughs> bomb that we're dropping over there is going to be in the air for 35 seconds or so. <gasps> uh, and then when that bomb hits, uh, and then, you know, they on the ground, they're like, Hey, you know, good hits, good hits. Um, those are like, you take this huge deep breath and you're like, you know, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank yeah. God. Uh, cause you're just trying not to screw up. It's a break even, um, over there in, in combat because screwing up means somebody could lose a life. Mm. And, uh, those are, uh, those are tough times, but, uh, thankfully, I've hit a lot of them out of bounds on a golf course, but I've never, I've never <laughs> hit one out of bounds in the, in the fighter jet when it counted. <laughs> hey, was there a move? There was there a move or a maneuver that you pulled off that afterwards another member of the service or like whoever was on the ground came over and found you and said, "Yo, like that was bananas. Like that was." You know what I mean? So I'm saying I don't want to ask you what your favorite maneuver was that you ever did, but I want to know what maneuver you did that other people came to you and was like, come on, man. Like, seriously, you pulled that off? I would. So I would say this: the fighter pilot community is um, ruthless <laughs> and that um, n- no news uh when you've gone out and done something well is the, the best compliment you're going to get when they don't right? say anything we, it's a it's an expectation mm. right it, the expectations and the consequences are so high um when you do something well we, there's this term that we use is called it's hot is the highest compliment you can get in the fighter pilot world yeah and we abbreviate it we abbreviate it sierra hotel and um <laughs> i've i've gotten one of those in my career but the story is classified i could tell you but i'd have to kill you i don't so want to have to do I that yeah i can't even bask in the glory of my one <laughs> hot in 21 years well here's how i know how brutal and ruthless the community of fighter pilots is, is after I took my run and came back with an empty air sick bag. After my, after my pilot grabbed three extra ones and I was like, oh, what you doing? We ain't going to need those. And the other pilots nodded and then they tried to make me pass out and I wouldn't pass out and did an extra run, still wouldn't pass out. And when we got back, they said, how was it? And I held up the empty air sick bag and said, what does this mean? And they looked at my pilot and said, it means your pilot's not good enough. I was like, that was ruthless. Just ah. ruthless for them to say that. So the fact that you did a hot run, that is, that is awesome. Okay, so you have that moment as a fighter pilot, greatest moment as a golfer. Oh wow! Greatest moment, and of, I mean, as just you, yeah, you on the golf course, not so folds of honor or so, Patriot Golf Day. Yeah, so uh, my senior year NCAA championships, we're playing at the Honors Course. Tiger won the NCAA that year. That was his sophomore year and his final year at Stanford. And uh, I was on the seventeenth hole, and my. Uh, golf coach Ross Randall, God rest his soul, not with us anymore. And uh, he said, we got to birdie the last two holes for us to make the cut. And so I birdied um, 17 and 18. And, uh, the University of Kansas made the cut at the NCAA championships in 1996. But that was um, 
my, I thought my greatest moment because um, I got to do it for my team as mm. well. And what's inherently an individual sport, but those moments where you just got to get it done. And by the grace of God, I, uh, <laughs> I got it done. What's better than when your coach says, this is what you got to do. And then you pull it off. Like that's the, that's, that's it, man. That's, that's, that is in golf, a shit hot moment right there. It <laughs> is. Yep, it's, it is, and I and I failed many you know, most of the time when he said that. But this time, when it mattered, the last tournament of my college career, the NCAA championships. But uh, I'll have that with me for the rest of my life. Who's your favorite PGA Tour pro to watch? Oh, it's easy, Gary Woodland. So um, mm. Gary's a dear brother, and Christ, I, I had the privilege of marrying he and his wife Gabby a few years back. And oh man. He, yep, folds of honor on his bag and where's volition America that, uh, that, you know, that we created that Puma makes. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's just, you know, I have a lot of guys that I'm good buddies with out there, but he's definitely my closest like friend, man. You, it's, uh, I don't know that you can find a better person and Gabby too. I love them. Absolutely. Love oh, them. No. I love them to death. Those are, when I say pure hearted people, that's, I mean that, and and yeah, man, that's yeah, good choice, good choice, yeah. Anybody who doesn't, anybody who's not rooting for Gary Woodland in a tournament, that's a you problem, not a Gary problem. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah, they're just they are just awesome. It's just great to see good things happen to great people, and that yeah, you know that three wood he hit at the U.S. Open last year, and then uh, the chip on chip on seventeen. I just I just couldn't believe. It. I've never had somebody I like knew really well do something huge in life, mm. and uh, it was wildly emotional watching that. Yeah, it's all right, man. We nothing wrong with crying when our friends do something spectacular like that. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time, bro. All yep. the time. So before I let you go, man, how can uh? What's the easiest way for people to find Patriot Day Golf and uh, the Folds of Honor? What what what's the best yeah, so, and easiest um, way? You know, website uh, PatriotGolfDay.com, and you can go out there and find a registered course. And the way we've got it set up, there's an app too. You can download the Patriot Golf Day app and make a donation straight through the app when you're out playing golf. Um, or you can just visit the website foldsofhonor.org and make a a donation there. I mean, the world's so mobile. Um, my big call to duty for you and everybody else listening is go out on Labor Day weekend and play your most heroic round and give at least a dollar donation at, at folds of honor to support these military families. And uh, our promise is we will pay that forward in the gift of an education that will not only change that family, but change our country. So it is uh, it is a pure and simple mission to help somebody else by playing a playing a round of golf. And, you know, it's the biggest hall pass ever issued on <laughs> Labor Day. My wife does not give me any grief. I played three days over that weekend and I said, hey, my country needs me. So don't mow your lawn, get out there and tee it up for Patriot Golf Day. That's just just the funniest thing when you go, my country needs me. Wait, you're sitting in a golf cart. Yep, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we can all put on a uniform this Labor Day weekend. (laughs) And it does. It all and it all starts with education. Man, you are you are doing something not just wonderful, but amazing and doing the right thing for our country and for the right people who definitely, you know, in times of need with their children, you know, it's, it's a good feeling knowing that you can help people who sometimes need that little boost, man. That's amazing. And most importantly now, how am I going to get over to Destin to take a ride with you sometime? Cause I, that's my, my dream now. No man, don't tease me, dude. Don't, don't tease me. Because now that I All rode right. in the T thirty eight, you know what I mean. I'm ready to take the next step up. What I got to do? So we'll uh, we will we'll conspire on that one. How about that? Okay, deal, deal. I'm in. Uh, I just can't wait to get back to uh, to watching golf at uh, with the big crowds and all that good stuff. So let's get on the other side of this COVID craziness. And uh, I'm just uh, blessed, and you know, I had the opportunity to come on and honored to uh, to speak on behalf of the families that we support. And Lieutenant Colonel, now no longer major because you got that nope. upgrade. Hey, 
Hello there, Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah, they don't Daniel. give those out for free either. So yeah, like, they got a nah, big hunk you, of flesh for that one. You're not picking that up at Sam's Club. <laughs> you got some no, things you got to no. get accomplished. <laughs> man, thank uh, you so, so much good. for this. Thank you so much, man. It's my privilege. Thank you. That was Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney of Folds of Honor and Patriot Day Golf. Make sure that you go check that out, man, because trust me when I tell you, helping out that organization is going to make you feel really, really good, knowing that you're uh, helping out some of our service members' families who definitely are in need. And we hope that you enjoyed this edition of Maddie and the Caddy. Maddie dipped out, so I got to have all the fun at the end with that interview, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya! Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.